You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at SBTSongs or check us out at ChrisBlair.com. Hey guys, Chris Blair here with the Stories Behind the Songs podcast, and I hope you all had a great Christmas yesterday. I know we sure did, enjoying the holiday season and getting ready for the new year. Just love this time of year. This week, I sat down with Gordy Sampson. Gordy is from Nova Scotia, Canada, and he started writing and producing. And before he even moved to Nashville, he was taking trips back and forth about once every month or two. And uh, within not too long after moving to town, he got his first publishing deal, talks about that. And he wrote a huge smash that I'm sure you've heard of, Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood. You're gonna hear the full story behind that song. It's so good and such an incredible song. You're also gonna hear the story behind Knockin' Boots by Luke Bryan and My Favorite Picture of You, a cut that he has with Willie Nelson that he also wrote with Guy Clark. Just awesome story there too. Uh, He's got cuts with Keith Urban, Faith Hill, Leanne Rimes, Blake Shelton, Miranda Lambert, many, many more. He's also got a couple awards that he's gonna talk about how that process was and how uh, winning his first Grammy was. And also about how he gives back uh, to other writers. Uh, He actually had a camp, the Gordy Sampson camp, Um, that he gave back uh, and taught writers kind of the process and how to think on their own and do things on their own, but also the the craft of writing songs. So you hear all about that. If you enjoy this episode, as always, please give us a follow. Click that notification button so you can stay up to date with new episodes. Tell your friends, like, subscribe, all those things. We love it. We love sitting down and sharing these stories each week. And it's you, our awesome followers, that keep it going. So also drop us a comment. If anybody um, that we have not sat down with that you'd like to hear from, uh, songwriter, artist, anything like that, let us know. And we will try to get them on the podcast. So let's get to it. This is Gordy Sampson. Hey everybody, this is Chris Blair and this is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs and today I'm here in Nashville at the Listening Room with Gordy Sampson. How you doing, brother? I am good. How are you? Good, man. We've got, you've got so many great songs, so many hits, uh, so many stories. I can't wait to just dive in. Um, But let's kind of, I always go back to the beginning. So let's talk about like what you got into, how you got into music in the first place and what brought you to Nashville. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in... uh in Nova Scotia, Canada, yep. on an island called Cape Breton Island. Um, so, you know, the just for um, context, the entire population of Nova Scotia would be about the greater Nashville area. Right? Yeah. So very unpopulated. But a lo- uh, the ratio of people that play music there is, is absurd. Uh, I don't know if it's because there's not a whole lot else to do when you're growing up or whatever it is, but so I played a lot of music growing up. My mom played in bands. Uh, I played the piano as early as I could remember, you know, three, four years old. I, I mm. tinkled, and uh, so uh, music was uh, a language yeah. in my household. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, eventually uh, – somehow discovered uh, that uh, once I got to junior high school, um, I'd have actually have a chance with girls because I could play guitar. So uh, that, yeah. that changed everything. Yeah. yeah. I got my first guitar in uh, as a senior in high school, saying my, you know, growing up, you know, same thing. I played piano when I yep. was starting at like four and 
but it was the same thing when I when I went to college and had a guitar in my hand. I was like, oh, this is this yeah. is like a magic box. This is my my golden ticket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. So uh, so what year did you come to Nashville then? I came to Nashville full time in two thousand. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, they they went on to be very successful. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty new at the time. So I was signed there, still living in Nova Scotia and writing songs coming, you know, every month or two. Yeah. Um, it was kind of unusual. It's, it's hard to get signed here as a, as a writer. Uh, you know, if you don't live in the country, that was kind of uncommon at the time, at least, but I was looking for a record deal then. I mean, it's the story you've heard a million times, Chris, about people coming here looking for a record deal and, getting into the culture of 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 songwriting and co-writing here in Nashville and deciding that no wait now this is what I want to do this is what I was meant to do yeah you know? um you hear that story a lot and I'm 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 just an, I'm another one yeah I yeah. mean it was the same thing for me I moved um as an artist yeah and put three songs out to radio and toured and yeah did all that and then you know just kind of fell in in love with chasing lyrics and writing songs and absolutely ultimately that's yep you know what led to the listening room but um, and i hated the road yeah like, i didn't uh, i mean i didn't hate it but but yeah i mean it's 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 brutal yeah yeah until you get i mean until you get past that point there seems like there's levels that you check off as an artist it's like one of the big ones is going from the sprinter to the tour bus you yeah. know uh that's a pretty big one there's a lot of people trying to manifest that right now but yeah um and it i guess it, it it does get easier but in the beginning it it's a real test yeah you know yeah see i never even got to the sprinter i was in the yeah. 12 passenger van with okay the, with the trailer it was like yeah, oh, yeah that's real talk yeah. real talk <clears throat> yeah so so you're with combustion um and you know kind of walk me into um you know what what led you to like that that first cut Wow. Okay. Um, I, the record that I made, um, so, okay. When I came down to Nashville, I made a record for A&M Canada, uh, called Sunburn. And, um, it didn't actually sell a lot, but it, it became a little bit of a cult. I guess you need to hear this guy kind of thing and um and it and it landed in some really cool hands here in town so the first cuts that i got were two off of my artist record um keith urban cut one faith hill cut another one and uh that you just that really just blew it all open yeah i mean there was especially because there was two cuts i mean you get one cut it's like you know uh it just sort of doubled the whole thing. So um, that was really what was behind the whole catalyst of everything for me. Um, it um, it just it was a hard shift. Yeah. And um, I you know I I started to uh, pivot away from artistry and pivot more towards what we do here in town. Was this you were with Combustion already when that happened? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's I mean, Keith Urban and Faith Hill as yeah. the as the first cuts. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and at the time, I mean, at the time it was really big and uh you know, we were still um 
everybody was selling records, millions of records. Yeah. So cuts were really meaningful then. You you know that. Um, and and they I mean they still are, but they, you know, like a, a couple of cuts like that on those records would I, I can't even really remember. I want to say they would sell multiple millions of copies. So for instance, without getting into the weeds of how it all works too much, you know, something like that getting two cuts would would recoup your deal potentially yeah and uh and get you bet you know really give you a a, a baseline to, to start off on this down with that's really good yeah and uh that was really good so so that then you had this this shift uh changing from chasing being an artist to really focusing on writing mm-hmm. um when when you went into the rooms uh now or or then uh what what would you say like your main focus is lyrics or melody and how how does that come together do you have do you have the melody first and, or do you have the the hook or the idea first or you know it's different every song um there are different recipes for that um you know back then as i was sort of transitioning i mean sometimes i'd go in the room and people were trying to write for my record because um, at that time it was still on the table that I, I could get signed. And I mean, but the thing was, I mean, I didn't do uh, my music wasn't um, wasn't country really at all at that time. Yeah, you did more like pop, right? It was kind of like, um, I mean, you got to remember it was two thousand three ish. Yeah. So I would get. Uh, if you like John Mayer and you like Coldplay, yeah. which were big keywords then, you know this guy kind of is 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 the love child somehow or in between them somehow. So I would get that a lot. A lot of people were getting that same thing. Um, but the singer songwriting thing was pretty. The, the you know I think for males and females was pretty robust then. Um, there was lots of room for us, and uh, it was a good time for that. But uh, and I did uh, did the dance with all the all the labels and all that kind of stuff, and visited here, went to LA, and we actually did get a deal with uh, BMG. Uh, but um, somebody got fired or whatever as mm. as we were signing it. Yeah, I mean, there was all these things that were just speaking to me from from above that uh, made the transition pretty easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it worked out because sure now you've got multiple awards, multiple yeah. hits, um, song of the year, most played song of the year. I mean, just so many things. So let's let's dive into because I, I, there's so many stories and I want you to kind of help guide this. Yeah. Um, but I really want to know. I mean, we were talking before this and, you know, I'm friends with Brett and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I I don't know that I've ever really heard the full story behind Jesus takes the wheel. Mm-hmm. It's such a great song. Um, and you know, just walk us through that of yeah the, going into the writer's room and, and from start to finish, uh, that, that whole process of that song. You know, it, uh, it was inspired by a couple of things that happened back in Nova Scotia. One of them was a, a car accident, uh, that a friend of mine lost her sister. So uh, mm. in this, uh, as this goes, I mean, in, you you know this, as inspiration goes, sometimes uh, 
the thing that inspires the song uh in this in this case for instance uh, you know the song has a happy ending the thing it was inspired by does not so um and then uh, the other sort of part of it was i grew up pretty catholic and um i had an aunt margie mcdougall was her name and as a kid i must have been around 8 or 10 years old i remember her telling me this story over lunch about how she was driving and the roads got icy and she didn't know what to do car started spinning so her instinct was to throw her hands up in the air and ask god to take the wheel and it was just this memory that was locked in from my youth mm. so i had a title uh called when jesus takes the wheel was the title and i actually had a melody for it that i wrote out in notation so i would remember the melody um i remember saving the title for brett and hillary in other words i had other rights before that yeah that i could have thrown that title out and if i ever did one thing smart it was <laughs> might have been that uh because it's it's hard to do that um you know, you want to run you with your best shot. I thought it was a pretty cool idea. But anyway, we got together and we wrote it at Hillary's house with Brett. And um, they changed. Um, when I threw it out of the room, they were kind of like, okay, that's cool. What about if we did it this way? So the whole uh, melody and landscape, uh, the music, um, even the title changed. Um, but the inspiration and the um the mood of the song and the context of the song the concept stayed exactly the same yeah um so uh we wrote it uh we demoed it at uh the ruckus room i don't know if you yeah. remember that yeah jamie tate absolutely jamie's amazing um and it was back then everybody was kind of doing i mean i i feel like every demo in town was done there i don't know yeah. how they did it uh, he did a demo of it. It sat around for six months to a year, I want to say. Um, was passed on and turned down by a couple of other artists. Um, which, you know, when I tell people that, they always go, wow, they must be, you know, they didn't know what they missed out on. I mean, it, it does not work like that. Yeah. You know, it has to be the right song for the right time for the right artist. Um, and I believe. I believe it was pitched in the in the classic way, um, where somebody played it for A and R from the label for Carrie, and uh, of course you have to you have to appreciate that she was on the rise at a at a very alarming rate because yeah. when we wrote the song, she was not a contestant on American Idol, um, so when we hear that this artist Carrie Underwood is interested, I mean you're literally going. Carrie, Carrie, who? What's you yeah. know like? So yeah. it's it's hard to believe. You know, her ascension was so fast. Yeah, through that, that um, yeah, and it it got cut, and Mark Bright produced it, and I still remember going down there. He called me and said, uh, "You got to come down to the studio and hear this," and I did, and uh, pretty amazing. Chills. Yeah. 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 She she absolutely killed it. Yeah, I think you know I don't know. And maybe you know this, but I wonder if there was any connection with like the story with her um, 
you know, and, and why she wanted to cut that so bad in the emotion. Mm. Cause you can definitely like, I mean, I think a great artist can, um, transport themselves yep. into a song and yep. feel that emotion. Um, yep. but, but I mean, she just absolutely crushed it. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know. I've never, um, I've never heard her speak to that. Um, but she very may well have, you know, a real life connection. I think a lot of times that's how it works. Yeah. Um, you know, you get, you get, as you say, transported into the lyric and the concept of the song because it resonates with something that you know in real life to you. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, and then what, what was it like, uh, you know, just with the awards that followed that song? It was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, we, uh, we were up for a couple of different awards for that song. One of them was the, uh, coveted, uh, NSAI song, song I wish I wrote, um, that year and um and we eventually got nominated for two grammys so one of them was uh country song of the year and one of them was overall song of the year so uh the country song was handed is handed out in the pre-show at the grammys so we uh there's about i don't remember exactly maybe 80 i'm i'm guessing 80 Grammys handed out in the day yeah. before the other 20 that are on the show or whatever it works. So uh country song was almost dead last. So we won a Grammy at about 5 PM. So close to when the show started that we barely had time to do the press room and all that stuff. And we were ushered very quickly to the third row from the stage of the Grammys <laughs> because because we were nominated on the televised portion, we had to be really close to the stage. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it was, uh, it was a lot really fast. You know, we were celebrating, but it's like, don't sell, you can't celebrate now, go to your seat. And then we sat there and then the police opened the show. So like, you know, 15 year old me is losing his mind. Yeah. Because, uh, I'm listening to message in a bottle. Uh, anyway, it was, it was, absolutely amazing yeah really was still is yeah and it's just done a lot for for me you know i i every time i play a show i do that song even though it's 70 octaves lower than carrie but like <laughs> uh it took me a while to do it live because to me it was you know well when you have someone like carrie singing first of all it puts it in a sort of feminine place for one thing uh and plus she's just like just a powerhouse singer so it's a little intimidating even i mean we we kind of get up there we rah, 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 we go through our songs kind of uh you know without being you know without having the same kind of voice as a lot of us as the artists do but that one was particularly hard to get up off the ground yeah i mean that's me. that's also why i wanted to start this podcast uh-huh you know i mean we hear we hear so many of the stories uh, during shows right here on the stage, um, but it's that, you know, it's that 30 second story, you know, before, you know, just introducing the yep. song. And 
um, you know, through the years, there's been so many of these stories that I've heard the long version of, um, and thanks for sharing that. Cause, cause I hadn't heard I all to. that. And, uh, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, um, it's the artists that again, get transported into those lyrics and feel the emotion, whether they were a writer on it or not, um, that take it to the world, but it's the behind the curtain, um, the guys like you, uh, that, that this is your job and you go into a room every day and you chase yeah. lyrics and melodies and create a song and you know it's it's it just has to be those stories have to be shared they do and it's 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 hard to um how you know how to write a song or whatever is incredibly difficult to explain because there's a lot of you know w without getting into the weeds of of the metaphysical or whatever yeah. part of it um we it, it you know when lightning in a bottle happens or whatever it just it happens sort of when it wants to um so it's really hard you know you do and you, uh, i did have done quite a bit of mentoring along the way with young songwriters and it's really difficult because you don't want to like my ride through writing songs was radically different than your ride and everyone else's ride. And I think the the worst thing you can do is set out, you know, here's 10, <laughs> the 10 commitments of how to write a song because you're really uh, messing with somebody's muse. Yeah. Because, um, but so you have to kind of show them how to write songs their way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, um. so I, you know, I've, I have to be careful about it. What's that saying? Like uh, dancing about architecture or whatever. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a bit like that. Yeah. I want to dive into that a little bit more um, because I, I want to know kind of uh, your camp uh, and how that kind of got mm -hmm. created. Um, but before we do that, do you want to play a little bit of uh, Jesus Take the Wheel? Sure. Um. Uh, let's see, yeah. She was driving last Friday on her way to Cincinnati on a snow white Christmas Eve. Going home to see her mama and her daddy with the baby in the backseat. Fifty miles to go, and she was running low. Faith and gasoline, it'd been a long, hard year. She had a lot on her mind, she didn't pay attention, she was going way too fast. And before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both their lives flash before her eyes, and she didn't even have time to cry, she was so damn scared. She threw her hands up in the air. Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands, cause I can't do this on my own, I'm letting go, so give me one more chance, save me from this road I'm on, Jesus, take the wheel. So good, man. Thank you, dude. So good. 
That's one of those songs that will just be with us for a long, long time. I hope so. I mean, that's just such a, a gift. Yeah. To have that. Uh, it's been a while now. It's been, I don't even know, 17 years, I'm guessing. Yeah. Since yeah. that was a thing. That, uh, that's crazy. It, it doesn't even seem like that long. But, yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, and it's been fun uh, to watch the, you know, the title has, has entered, uh, and I only have, clearly only have one song that, that did this, but the title uh, does the saying uh, that some titles do where it enters what they call the lexicon of the English language. So in other words, you know, uh, you hear it in movies and the occasional sitcom where someone uses as a it's an exclamation, you know, as a usage that, yeah. was, that we didn't intend. Um, there's a lot of memes about mm. it, uh, and they're all in good fun. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Sennheiser Microphones. When we first started this podcast, we were using some older microphones, and Sennheiser came in and sponsored us and gave us some MK4s and 914s. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's made all of the difference in the world. We love these microphones. We use them at the listening room as well. And I just can't say enough great things about them. Go check out Sennheiser.com. If you are into music in any way, their microphones are hands down the best on the planet. Go check them out, Sennheiser.com. And thank you, Sennheiser, for the support and the sponsorship. We love y'all. All right, let's uh, let's go back to um, what we were just talking about before that. Uh, so when you know we we've several episodes we've talked about you know building your camp, yeah, um, and especially there's so many uh, of our listeners who have reached out that are um, either in town and they're they're newer songwriters, um, or you know they could be you know people that aren't even in America mm -hmm. that uh, that are wanting to move to Nashville. Um, so what, what was your process? And obviously like with combustion, that's probably a little bit different when you get a pub deal, it makes it a lot easier when you've got yeah. somebody scheduling for you. But, yeah. um, you know, what's your take on building your quote unquote camp? Mm -hmm. And do you have a lot of different people that you still write with, or have you kind of built that camp for yourself? Uh, that I still write with from the camp you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it was an idea my manager and I had uh, several years. Well, be 13, 14 years ago we started. It was a 10-year thing. We did it for exactly 10 years, right right up until COVID. And uh, and then we just kind of ran ran out of time to keep, keep on doing it, resources to keep on doing it. But, yeah, it was um, it was a way for – Songwriters, particularly from Nova Scotia, because it was funded by the Nova Scotia government partially, um, that already had a already had a, a knack and a talent for songwriting. It was hard to get in. I mean, you had to know how to write songs to get in. Uh, but it was focused on co-writing. So, in other words, uh, how to write a song with somebody else basically was was our mo. Yeah. And, okay. So you're. A and I want to, I want to go there too. So mm -hmm. let's just go there first. I want to talk about, um, like your, your camp, uh, as a writer, like mm -hmm. who you write with in town. 
Um, uh-huh. but, but I'm glad you took it there. Cause I want to talk about that too. You had that okay. from like 2010 to 19, I think, right. Yeah. Something like that. That's right. The Gordy Sampson yep. camp. Yeah. The songwriters that's, camps that's that, camp I thought yeah, you were talking yeah, about. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. So let's, cause you've, yeah, you've given back a lot of your time and, and, mm-hmm. and mentored songwriters that you yeah. mentioned earlier. So yeah, talk about, talk about how that got started and what you, well, what yeah, you did I'll, with that. I'll just breeze you through that. I mean, that, that, uh, like I said, was a way to, to get young songwriters from Nova Scotia started, particularly in co-writing. So in other words, um, through a combination of giving them a little bit of tips, but not too much. It's never, how to write like me or how to write like her or mm, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, so good. Because, you know, when I was a kid, I took a songwriting class from somebody. I mean, I was probably 19. And it was the first time I've ever went to one of those. And the person that hosted it tried to make you write like them. And I remember being young and, and I mean, I certainly didn't know it all then, but I remember that resonating being like, this, that can't be right. I don't want to do that. So I kind of took that with me for years and promised myself I wouldn't do it like that. But, I mean, you can illuminate things for people, and you can um, and it's not give them the Ten Commandments, but give them hot tips. And through a combination of those tips and a little baptism by fire, which is also really important, um, for instance, you know, you're with Chris, go. Uh, um, it, it was absolutely amazing to see how um, people took it seriously and and used it. And now there are there are about five or six of those um, participants in the camp writing here in Nashville with full time publishing deals yeah and i mean they 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 may have got them anyway but i mean i think we at the very least (laughs) fast track that for them sure yeah you know yeah so it's wonderful yeah yeah i mean it's you know any any way that you can expose um you know just what it's like i mean there's so many people that don't even know um what a songwriter is really i mean they do you know you can kind of like just the the common sense of it but what what does that mean? I mean, there's so many people that think, oh, well, if you're a songwriter, you just, you know, you're you're a great poet, which you are, but you go into a room and you write songs like Jesus Take the Wheel every day, yeah. you know, and they don't get, they don't understand that, you know, like you're writing sometimes two, three songs a day when you first get started mm-hmm. with hundreds of different songwriters yep. and you write at least a hundred songs to find one okay song. And, uh, you know, just kind of building, um, building that up. I mean, I remember, you know, some of the first songs I wrote that I thought, man, these are pretty good, you know, and I listen to them now and I'm like, that is such crap, you know, but it's, uh, it, yeah. to, to have what you did and to kind of pour in, I think that's so, so good to be able to kind of open, open the doors for people to understand it more, Yeah, but also how you did it and like, don't write like me. Don't like, don't write like this person or that person, like find your own creativity and, yep. and be you. You have like, that is so important. Um, I try to encourage anybody that, that I run into, especially people starting out that the, the best card they have in the deck is the you of clubs. 
You know what I mean? That is <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. Yeah. the best card. So, you know, and most of the time um, when we have a song that does well, it's two worlds colliding. One of them is that the genre is open to you. Right. And the other one is that you've been being you. And those when those worlds collide, uh, that's where long-lasting hits often come from. You yeah. Know? People like um, Craig Wiseman, for instance, uh, has has learned. I've talked to him a little bit. I, I write with Craig once in a while and talk to him a little bit. But he really studied this and he studied his own creativity. And um, he would he would chart it out in like almost on like uh, what do you call it like line items. And he would go, Oh, I'm you know I write the best songs in uh, August and September, seemingly. You know, and he he just uh, had such a he really got into why his songs were getting recorded. Yeah. And um, anyways, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. But those, those worlds colliding uh, are really where it's at. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, as you, as you do this, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm a lifer writer. There's no doubt about that. I mean, too late to give up now. Yeah. But, um, you you do have to go. You know, sometimes you'll go a long time, and it feels low, you know not too many cuts, and feels feels lonely. But it swings back. It always swings back. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Start to think about a good story uh, for another at least one or two of your your hits, because I want to I want to dive into more of those. Obviously, this podcast is stories band songs, so I want to get there. Um, but just real quick, let's uh, let's touch on you're like your camp here in town and mm -hmm. writing. So do you have, um, you know, just a few people that you typically write with all the time now? Oh yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the, the, the comfort zone, yeah, I guess, which is, you know, um, a good publisher does not let their writer stay in their comfort zone. <laughs> I'll just, I, I have to say that first, but you know, I, I will, I'll, I'll, if you let me, I'll stay there. But you know, um, yeah, I still write with uh I still write with Hillary a lot, Brett, um gosh, uh, Dylan Guthrow who came from my mm -hmm. song camp. Um uh, Emily Falvey, uh Tranny Anderson. I believe I believe Emily and Tranny and I are playing here next month. Um Brett once in a while. Um gosh, Troy Virgis. I mean just yeah, those every writer I think has, as you say, the camp that they consistently uh, get it with. Yeah, um, but you have to watch that too, you know, because um, you get really comfortable around each other, and and then if you write too much in that too too comfortable zone, you'll you'll sometimes notice that the songs start to meander off into purgatory a little yeah bit. and um amy mayo a great writer in town amy and chris amazing amy used to always say she's so smart with this stuff and she's got like a real witchcraft for analyzing the kind of metaphysical side of it all but she 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 would often remind me that the sometimes the best song you'll ever write with somebody is the first time you write with them i mean it's it'll always have something that the 10th song you write with them won't mm. And there's an energy there. So, you know, you 
it's important to stay true to your camp 50% of the time or whatever the percentage is and some other percentage of this time, I think it's really important to just be changing it up hard. Yeah, I love that perspective. There's been so many people on here that have talked about, you know, that once they got their 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 camp that they know they write really well with and they've got all these this great catalog of of hits they've written together they tend to stick with that yeah um but that is so that is so good to you know the comfort zone and and make so much sense to kind of step out of that yeah i mean everybody's mileage will vary on that but but certainly for me um uh that that those that combination uh is is where it's at for me yeah still I'm always messing with the, uh, but I mean, a lot of the times I'll have, you know, we write in threes most of the time. So uh, at any given time, it'll be me, somebody from my comfort zone and somebody I've never met. Hmm. And yeah. that's, that's a really, really, there's, there's no tried and true recipe, but that's a highly suggested one <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. 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 I would think that's a great way to get new, fresh ideas too, uh -huh. you know, exactly. just, so yeah. Yep. All right, let's talk about another hit. Okay. Where do you want to go? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Uh, knock on boots? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a funny one because, and, I, and I, I am guilty of telling this story on stage before, but, you know, songs have to um, go through a lot of, uh, you know, steps before they are created to the time they receive any kind of activity uh, uh, i'm not sure um people kind of understand that or are even interested in it to be honest with you but like um you know it's it's not easy for a song to get from zero to 60 um with knocking boots hillary and i john knight wrote that together it was the first time those three people wrote uh, so flash ahead to the second time we wrote. And I, I think Hillary said, what's going on with that first song? Does anybody pitch that or is it just sitting around or what's going on? And John says something like, yeah, that's, it is pretty cool, isn't it? I'm going to text it to Luke Bryan right now. And Luke texted him back within about five minutes and said, I love this. I'm, I'm going to cut it. <laughs> and like... 3,000 of my other songs went, what the hell? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It was, it was that easy. And boy, is it ever not that easy all the time. That is just an outlier. Yeah. But uh, it does, you know, when you hear a story like that, I hope that people take away, it, it does, it's indicative of how hard it is. Because you realize when you hear that story, or I hope you realize, that there are so many songs sitting around this town worthy of being a number one hit that didn't <laughs> that didn't get that shot yeah you know and um yeah i mean i i hear number one hits on a nightly basis uh -huh. here on stage yep that have never been recorded yeah that's right that's a good way to put it i mean it's just uh yep yeah it's um we started highlighting unsigned artists of the month um a couple years ago because of that reason, because there's just so many people that you hear, you know, it, they're unsigned to either a pub deal where they're great writers yep. and they should have one or they're great artists. But yep. um, I think it's also important to, 
you know, you talked earlier about like giving yourself 10 years of like, you know, doing, doing that certain thing, mm -hmm. um, that you decided with your manager and then, you know, and, and it worked and people say all the time that this is a 10 year town. Mm, um, yeah. and you know, the biggest thing I've known John for, for, I mean, since I think he moved to town, you know, we, we met pretty much same, same time we moved here yep. about the same time together and, you know, knowing, knowing no one and building that up and, you know, just, uh, uh, month or so ago i was giving him a hug at the csac awards you yeah. know songwriter of the year yeah you know and like building those relationships and networking and going out and playing and and writing with anybody and everybody and building building that um gets you to the point where you can pick up a phone and text luke bryan and say hey listen yeah. to this you know that's i mean right. that that part of it takes a lot of time to build as well yeah that you're exactly right that's a very luxurious thing to have um that card you can play and that that only comes with you know the the 10,000 10 million hours and uh that that you get from just you know cutting your teeth here and knowing everybody sometimes the writer is coming up through the ranks with the artist so back in the day they were just you know hanging out the red door right or whatever. yeah and now one's a, a, a hit writer and one's a, a you know uh, a hit artist and they still have that connection. It's a great combo. It's a great combo, yeah. And, you know, I admittedly don't, I, I, like, you know, there's, there's, there's a certain, there are writers that, like, have amazing hustle and, and have, well, they, all the writers are talented, but, like, they don't lean on their talent as much as they lean on their hustle. Uh, I, I have very little hustle, yeah. <laughs> admittedly. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, and um but you you can you can get a hit you can get a great song a neverlasting number one yeah. song i think uh sliding that bar yeah whatever works for you yeah and um it's am it's amazing to see everybody's got a different a different recipe for it yeah i mean let let's you've written thousands of songs now um Besides those two that we've kind of kind of taken a, a dive into, um, what would you say your favorite song is that you've written? Gosh, I mean, well, I would say, I mean, I was really lucky to to have written a couple songs with Guy Clark mm. late in his life, and uh, we wrote one called "My Favorite Picture of You," which. Um, ended up being on it was the title track of I guess what would be his last record um, and uh, it was subsequently recorded by Willie Nelson a couple of years later than that now it's not a hit song in the sense that it was service to radio and I mean it was it was nothing like that um, but um, nevertheless that was just a really important song uh, for me to be involved in and, you know, to write with Guy. Like when I, I did have that, I did bring that title into the room. Um, and after we went through a bunch of titles that he wasn't really into, when that title came out, he instantly charged up and pointed to a picture of his wife pinned to his wall. Mm. And it was um, a picture of his wife who was, who was on some level 
pretty mad at him at the time when the boys were being crazy, I think. So we wrote this song about uh, this picture that is his favorite picture of her, despite the fact that she had leaving in her eyes a little bit. Wow. And um, she was sick at the time and passed on shortly after the song was written. And he, a couple years later, passed on. Yeah. And um, it was just, it, it, it's the only song I can, it's the only song I have that does not have a chorus. It's just four verses. Um, when we wrote it, I actually took, the four verses home because we were going to get together. I, I went back to guys the next day with a chorus. Um, hell bent on really impressing Guy Clark, you know, with my chorus. Yeah. And uh, I said, God, I think I got a chorus. And I played for him. And he just looked at me dry as a bone and said, what'd you do that for? <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, sometimes you like, uh, you realize at that point, how you're 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 in you are in the fishbowl where you start to once you do this every day, that's the price you pay for doing it all the time. Or one of them is that you just get so um, so used to the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge right. thing. Yeah, and you do. I'm guilty of it. Uh, sometimes forget that someone like someone like I is. I mean, you're. I just I felt like I was in the presence of a, a Yoda throughout that song and learned a lot and got to be part of um, something that was very, very dear to him and be part of that vehicle for it. That's really cool, man. Super special. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And and Willie cut that, right? Willie did yeah. cut it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, in uh, another instance of the producer, Buddy Cannon, Called me up and said, "You want to come over and hear this?" And I mean, gosh, we live for those moments. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you hear Willie backphrasing your lyric like he does, you know, yeah. he, he sings everything back, and uh, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yep. Man, I know you've got days of stories. I wish we could just sit here for hours and share uh, share all kinds of them, but I. I Really appreciate you uh, you taking some time out of your day and um, and sitting down with us. Thank you, Chris. This yeah. has been uh, this has been delightful. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, as we wrap up, I always end on the same question. Uh -huh. um, so, if you can go back to eight year old self, everything that you've learned and done now, what kind of advice would you give yourself? I mean, eight year old self, if if I had any inkling, I would have been on this track. I would have, I would have told him to stick with it, just because I, I'm, I feel really blessed and gifted that I was able to do this. I really do. So um, I'm not sure that eight-year-old me or eighteen-year-old me, for that matter, was uh, tuned in enough to know I would do this. It was always something that was dreamy to me, but uh, lofty. But probably not, you know, I'll probably end up uh, owning a gas station or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just very grateful for that little piece of a dream that, uh, that, I, that I got to live, that I got to live out. Yeah. Well, 
we appreciate what you do. And uh, I mean, I hope everyone out there realizes how much Gordy Sampson is a part of their soundtrack of life. Much appreciated. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thanks again, man. It's been been fun. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody out there listening. This has been another episode of <clears throat> Stories Behind the Songs with Gordy Sampson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify if you enjoyed this episode. And make sure you click that notification button so you can keep notified when new episodes come out. We release brand new episodes every Tuesday. And you can find us on YouTube at Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to send us a comment letting us know what you thought of the episodes. We love getting your feedback and share this with your friends. The more we grow, the more that we can keep doing this. It's our mission to bring you all of these great stories behind the songs from some of Nashville's most iconic artists and songwriters, publishers, producers, everyone in between, and a lot of my great friends. We love what we do and we love sharing their stories with you. We appreciate all of the continued support. Thanks also to all of our sponsors and we will see you all next week.